It's Gentleman Jack Crack. Cue that fucking jaunty music. Nineteenth century groveling, groveling, groveling. Good lord. Basically, in January of 1825, Anne Lister gets a letter from Ariana that Mrs. Barlow becomes privy to, which, and that's you being messy, and she becomes jealous, which, you know, I mean, that makes sense. It, it should, yes. <laughs> right? It like, should. Okay, hey, so I got this letter. It's from my girl. I mean, she's not my girl, but she I is mean, my girl. Right. I mean, she's not my girl, but she is my girl. I mean, she's not, but like, she's super pretty. I mean, she's not, but like, we've known each other forever. She's not, I mean, but we've made plans. So, you know, like, just like, like do, wrongness. Do you like letters? Like, if I were to send you a letter, like, would you appreciate it? Oh, also in January is when Anne learns of the fucking little thing that men be doing that she relates to Anne Walker. Remember? Where she, was it episode two? Where she talks about being in Paris to study anatomy, but she talks about the little pocket hole. She learns that through this experience, hanging out with Mrs. Barlow, who actually is the one who tells her this, because Mrs. Barlow has the info. And that happens in the beginning of the year, in January, if anyone's curious. But that's also when that shit is happening. And so there's a number of entries here where I just like had like lines to sum it up where it's like, okay, January 23rd, letter from Mariano causing jealousy. January 26th, Mrs. Barlow wants Anne's promise for life. Because that's what's going to happen when a bitch is meditating. When she's like, oh, there's another hoe? Oh, I see. Now that I've been thinking about it, I need to know that you are committed to this. Like, like for real, for real. Because I've been thinking about it in for real, for real terms. And for the first time, I'm now thinking that maybe you aren't thinking about it in for real, for real terms. Because you have this other option here. And I currently don't have any options but you my primary and main option. And by a month later, by February 24th, she believes herself a mistress to Anne. Like she has put herself oh, in that category. No. Right. But how is she not in that category? If you're I married know, to you Mariana, then right. Mrs. Barlow but, yeah. is a mistress. And throwing shame and dirt on this bitch name. That's yeah. rude. I, I mean, it's not a, I, it's wrong because it's not a real marriage, but at the same time, what is a real marriage? So I get why she would just sort of sit and settle into that category and be salty and angry about it so i mean yeah oh so ultimately i know we're going to spend a bunch of time in the future talking about mrs barlow and Anne some more so i won't go further into it but essentially before Anne leaves paris mrs barlow does her damnedest to get near queer but that's a miscalculation about how Anne feels about her body and what she's comfortable with and not comfortable with on Mrs. Barlow's part but she's just trying to she's just trying to do something and she does in her ways to reaffirm even though she kind of acts out with attitude things as is her right when learning about Mariana she reaffirms that like she loves Anne on the 26th of March and Anne essentially leaves Paris on the 31st of March and in No Priest But Love we read about Mrs. Barlow writing to Anne in the summertime on the 23rd of August and I found it a really heartbreaking letter because because it just implies very frankly and clearly that she really loved Anne. And Anne has only regressed because she got a letter from Mariana while with Mrs. Barlow. As Mariana's spidey sense was like, mm. And then we know what Mariana does. After the letter, she follows it up with some in-contact stuff. And so once Anne Lister has left Paris, we are now reopening the window of when Mariana can appear with her magical toxic thighs right. to do what she does. Well... 
we have, if nothing else, definitely established to marry on the pattern. Right? Okay, thank you. I just wanted to make sure it wasn't me, just just me seeing the pattern, that it was a pattern of behavior that she was engaging in. So I'll read really quickly what she says on the 23rd about getting this letter from Cordingly from Mrs. Barlow. So she's like, Cordingly put into my hand a letter from Maria Barlow, Paris. I wondered what might be the matter. Opened it in trembling. Was she beside herself when she wrote the first two pages? I sacrifice her happiness to my affection for Mariana, and it is my heart that does it without commiseration. Had Mariana been my uncle's doing, i.e. if outside pressure had been brought to bear upon Anne to retain Mariana in her life, she could have borne it. Is it you who have set this rankling thorn in my bosom forever? So this is Miss Barlow. I may be hurt at the fate of my regard, but you are not to blame. You but follow the fashion of the day, and you unfortunately met with one not suited to it. In this, the fault lies not more with one than the other. There is but one thing which stabs me to the heart's core, your renouncement of me without one word of pity, and the incense raised to my happy rival for fear of her sorrow, without one thought of me. My injured feelings complain, but of this one thing, this one act, I do doubt you and care not whether I do, when I find all is to be sacrificed to your sorrow for this friend." End quote. And then she's like, read this letter, my aunt in the room, and the last two pages twice. We talked of it all the evening, but I said nothing but that I thought she would not have Mr. Bell, Mrs. Barlow, hinting that she was too much attached and saying I was to blame. I left no stone unturned to make myself agreeable to her and had indeed been all in fault. In silence, I thought to myself, somehow I cannot get rid of the idea of her wanting to catch me. Has she ever used Mr. Bell's name to spur me on? Surely she has hopes of gaining me. It is not witnessed by the manner in which she takes her present despair. If she is so cool to Mr. Bell, will he ever offer to her again? But no more. I have just read her letter. Quote, nothing I can do for you is a trouble. Command me at all times and believe you will ever find me a most sincere, affectionate, and devoted friend. And then she writes, this sentence moved me more than all the rest. The tear is starting in my eyes. Then read over the copy of mine own last letter and wrote the rough draft of some impassioned lines, obscurely asking her or hinting at her being my mistress, which took me till three and a quarter. And it's like, you and... This is rude. The girl is heartbroken. She is upset. And you are trying to write a letter to hint at her being your mistress. My, my, my. The patriarchy and Mariana got you fucked up right here, right now. Because that, that is not the move. That is not the move. Not from Mrs. Barlow, who very clearly does not want to be a mistress. Maybe a Harriet would, a Harriet Mill. And she, she'd be down for the mistress stuff. Because she's. I don't think she's looking for a commitment. But Mrs. Barlow has a daughter. Oh, no. So Anne is out here feeling a piece of conscience, but also at the same time, she's literally like, I don't want to lose Mrs. Barlow, but also I can't help the fact that I'm stuck on Mariana. So maybe I should like suggest that she be my mistress. That way we're both happy. And it's like, girl, girl, you don't even respect mistresses. Remember what you said about Ann Walker? <laughs> I think of her as my oh, mistress man. now. <laughs> It's so fucking disrespectful. And she actually, she writes this to her. I need you to know that. I need you to know that she writes, quote, Must I then dare to ask if there be nothing you would refuse me? Will you take me, Maria, so long as one fold of uncertainty clings around me? A distant, obscure question. Would she be my mistress? Will she so understand it? Uh, um, I think she'll understand it. Me? Even though there's a hint of insecurity about me. <laughs> that happens. It's fucked up. Mariana sees Anne at the end of August. And of course, they get a kiss, despite Mariana having her period, which, hey, 
ladies do that. And and essentially writes in August that she feels restrained with Mariana. And when Mariana initially asked for a kiss, she makes it seem like it would do her harm to have a kiss. But then eventually she gives in as if unable to resist. They eventually have one on that night. And so it's, I mean, it seems appropriate for what should be happening. Like you've just been fucking with another hoe for about a year. That's fucked up. You also have your weird feelings about Mariana that are justified. That's fine. But you guys are going to get back on the fucking Amoroso soon enough. And that's, as you might imagine, is exactly what happened. Oh, Lord. Mm-hmm. Okay. Okay. And makes direct comparisons to Mrs. Barlow to Mariana's face in the month of September, which I think is a bit of a peek into her new confidence and pride in herself, which is important. I mean, it's shitty for Mariana, but good for Ann Lister, but shitty also because this will turn up the need for Mariana to get on the Amoroso and make sure that she's getting where she fits in, where Ann Lister's concerned. Then what we're getting is, Mm -hmm. and Ann Lister's saying, well, you know, I would say the only striking distance difference between you two is that she's not ashamed to be seen with me in public Ooh. well you're not wrong and here comes mariana well there's actually another difference and i'll show you tonight <laughs> almost spit my drink i'm sorry because but... it's actually true she's like actually there's more differences between us let me show you right now in the boudoir so essentially on friday september 2nd Anne confesses her affair to mrs barlow or confesses her affair with Mrs. Barlow. Mariana might have had suspicions about what she was doing in Paris, inclinations, spidey sense. But on this day, Anna's like, oh, have a seat. Sure, I'll tell you what I was up to in Paris. Yeah, there was a woman, her name was Barlow. And we did a lot together. I tried a lot of sexual things with her. And I'm convinced, until I read the entries that tell me otherwise, that it's possible that she tried things sexually with Mrs. Barlow that she had not with Mariana. Probably because she just, well... I mean, different people, different experimentations, but also maybe different levels of respect, perception of the woman too. Like we had mused before, we'll determine how she might treat a woman like her fantasies with the bad women that she wants to take behind the shed. So the beginning of the entry, she talks about having two kisses with Mariana and that they laid awake talking till six in the morning and told her honestly of the doubt she had lately about her and what she had said to Mariana's sister in York and things of that nature and that Mariana seemed very affected and saying things like, I could have never survived as long if if I didn't have you in my life. So eventually in this entry, she's like, read Mariana the copies of my last two letters to Mrs. Barlow. She was almost fainting as I finished the last. I assured her my reading them was the best proof that I now knew myself better and was hers forever. She bade me take off her wedding ring, which had never been off since I myself put it on and put it on again in token of my return to her. So Anne's out here talking all this shit, saying, I've been having thoughts, I've been having things, I've been doing things, I'm confused, I, you know, this is, this situation with Charles. And so she confesses all that, reads the letters, and we read a piece of one of Miss Barlow's letters, like, she's writing like a heartbroken woman, that if you read that, you're like, oh yeah, this, they, they've been, they've been doing stuff. And so this is Mariana saying, reaffirm the commitment, take this ring off that has never been off, put it back on, recommit yourself to me right now. Um... But why do you think that you get to ask such a thing? Because you're in my boudoir? Yes, that's exactly why. Because Mariana doesn't feel like she can or should ever be replaced by any other woman, let alone someone with status or whatever the fuck in civilized society. (sighs) So she writes, I could not, but an agony of sobbing said it could only mark that there had been a time when my heart had left her, which I now felt had never been the case. 
Girl, I don't. Now, those are some prettily little words, because what does that mean? That I was never over you? Okay, sure, sure. You were never over Mariana, but what you were doing was totally investing yourself with Mrs. Barlow. But safeguarding yourself because you weren't fully investing like Mrs. Barlow was because Mariana still had the shit trapped up. But what the fuck? So what I'm trying to say is, is that between September 2nd to September 7th, by the time we get to September 7th, that is five business days. Anne is now convinced of Mariana's love for her yet again. Because really, it's the proximity. Is it not? Is it not? Is it not? Proximity, is it not? Well, it's not proven untrue. <laughs> it's not been proven untrue. No, no. I guess we should do a quick mention of their discussion of Charles and the hymen and that ridiculousness. It's on the Friday, September 9th. And Anne writes, Soon after getting into bed last night, I had a very good kiss. Mariana went down to breakfast at 10.40, I at 11. My aunt went out in the gig at 11.15. And at 12.15, Mariana and I went upstairs, began to be on the Amoroso, pushed my right middle finger, <laughs> period, pushed my right middle finger, accordingly interrupted us. At it again. <laughs> this is cliff notes of what happened this morning. Gave her a good kiss, not pushing hard, merely pushing up and down. No blood followed. Okay. She was, well, right. She was clean even through her very gown. Luckily, a white one. I said I believed I had done the business better than I thought. And she was now no longer a virgin. At which we were both well satisfied. Me having had to do this for her seems to have delighted us both. It proves that Charles has had not much power and that she has never belonged but to me. Love. So, no, it doesn't. Love. Absolutely Love. does not. Just Charles was still wrong. penetrating with his wrinkly dick. Please, let us not. Like, what? He was just kind of going under. <laughs> Terrence, I'm upset for Ann Lister and her learned self that she really... <laughs> I blame the patriarchy and what they thought about the hymen back then. I really do. There's really nothing else for me to say there. I do not believe that Ann Lister broke her hymen because you cannot. Ripped it. Okay. I don't want to know what kind of sex her and Charles were having. I don't want to know either. So it's possible that Ann Lister was vigorous, more vigorous than she was aware of, or all kinds of things can go on with girls' hymens that you can cause a little bit of bleatage. That does not mean that that girl has not had penetration before or anything like that. It just means what it means. And some people's hymens are actually really small. So easily torn or thingamabobby, which is why other girls who don't have, they can be confused for not being virgins, even though, of course, they still are. So whatever. I mean, they talk about that. They have a good laugh because they're like, Charles Dick is so small. <laughs> well, it's like you're really mine. And you know what? If that gave Ann Lister a piece of whatever, then I guess. But, but I just it's fake find news. It, it's curious that this is the moment when we're allowed to make fun of Charles. But when we were asking about. Oh, shit. You right about that. When we was talking about him dying, though, she was like, I'm a little delicate. Like, if we could just. Use some delicacy because we know Ann Lister fixated on delicate. Like, for oh, like it's six delicate. Months. Is it? It's delicate. Oh. Is it delicate? Is it delicate? What about me? So fucking shit. So like I said, by the seventh, it's been three days of sex. So naturally, she's convinced of Mariana's love again. On the ninth, they're making jokes about how could you still be a virgin? Oh, silly Charles. And by the 12th, Mariana is starting to go back to her usual shit because she starts to mention rumors of Anne flirting. And Mariana ultimately achieves her goal in Buxton, which is to supplant Mrs. Barlow. Wait, wait, wait. Did I read my own notes correctly? I think oh, I highlighted it. Thank God. I was about to say, is it the, is it the whiskey or, the, or is it the rum? 
this time. I feel like it's the room. So the entry on the 12th says, uh, talked a little to Mariana. She told me how much had been said in New York about my friendship from Miss McLean, a Scottish friend with whom Anne had been on friendly but not intimate terms for the past few years. They'd met in York and had mutual friends there. Mr. Lally had been visiting at Moreton last September and said he would as soon turn a man loose in his house as me. <laughs> well... As for Miss Norcliffe, Anne's former lover, two Jacks would not suit together. Isabella had a gruff, masculine attitude, apparently, and he did not blame me there. But Miss McLean was a last resource, and therefore she took me. Mariana said Charles was very tipsy when he came home, and had therefore told her all this, beginning with, quote, you do not know what is said of your friend. Well, well, well. So is this Charles with his petty drama being like, you don't know what they say about your friend Ann Lister. You think this bitch is being faithful to you? Let me tell you how she's not. Let me tell you how people speak about her, actually. I don't know what your thoughts are on that, but it sounds like I mean, petty he's, uh, he's no, he's not beyond the petty. It's not. Essentially, at the end of this entry, they revisit Scarborough and Mariana implies that it was a whole other reason that she was embarrassed at Scarborough and it was about a fight and these other things and she actually doesn't really mind the masculine appearance and... Uh, yeah. I mean, I don't know how much I believe of that. I do think it's possible that she could have evolved and realized how dickish she was and tried to repair it, but I think what you said is what you said. Mariana. Right. I think what happened is what happened. And so you can repair it, you can fix it, you can apologize, but don't try to gaslight a bitch and say it never happened that way. <sighs> Helena Whitbread closes out by saying, Anne and Mariana had now been together for 12 days. The knowledge or assumption that Mariana had remained, quote, unspoiled during her years of marriage to Charles Lawton rendered the marriage all but invalid in their eyes. Mariana belonged to Anne, as she always had done. The ritual of, quote, deflowering Mariana was both a physically and psychologically important episode in their lives. For Anne, it confirmed her possession of Mariana, and for both of them, it was the final certainty that Mariana was not, in the spirit of the law, a true wife of Charles Lawton. Which, I mean, that's using the patriarchy to convince yourself of stuff, even though it's wrong, because what? Yeah, that wouldn't because work you made for me. Mariana bleed. You right. think she's a virgin still? Oh God! Yeah, Thank God for science. Mm. That sounds like them Catholic girls' science, but let me stop. I'm still a virgin if it's only from behind or in the ear. Yeah. Whoa! Was that a scary movie reference? You know? Oh wait, that's not a scary movie. That's um a scream reference. That is scream. Is it Jada Pinkett and? Yep, yep, yep. That's it. Mm -hmm. I said, why are you going to stick a dick in somebody's ear? That's, yeah. But then I'm like, how do you kill somebody with a dick in the ear? Is that a Terminator dick? Like, is it made of adamantium steel? What is, how do you do that? I'm asking you, like, you know the secrets I really to killer don't know. dicks? I've I don't know. I so. hope you never do with a dick. I mean, that seems unnecessary. It just seems wrong. Yeah. This is a story about control. Control. Mm -hmm. Unbelievable. So remember I was saying that I only had one reference for the what am I statement that is in the part of the soliloquy in episode six what before, yeah, before Ann Walker has to go back, go to Scotland so, okay. and Ann Lister kind of breaks down and the last, the parting grubbles. Oh, well, she's ultimately saying, you know, this is, this is me. Mm-hmm. Yes. So in an entry on September 22nd, 1825, she writes, went to Stobie 
and had my hair cut and dressed, very nicely cut. The moment Mariana and I went to walk about, the thought of having my police and hat on, of Scarborough, and of her being ashamed of me, threw a shade across me and Mariana observed it in St. Anne's Church. I was not at ease. The impression continued and I was queerish till after dinner, when I laughed and said I was better. Went to our room at 8.30, talked it over. Mariana declared she had never thought of the thing. Sorry, I was a Caribbean suck teeth. Certainly I did not look so well in my police and in my French redding goat and bonnet, but really she had not cared for or thought of it. Mm. All the way gaslighting. Suddenly she don't give a fuck what Ann Lister wears. Suddenly mm. she doesn't give a fuck. Is it because her high-powered friends aren't here? Uh, it's because Mrs. Directly? Barlow got way too close. Sorry, that's my personal opinion. But yeah, I don't. I, to me, that's straight up gaslighting. Like we, we, we have walked through the entries, her copious retellings of what Mariana has said out loud or in letters, and Mariana's really here in 1825. Like I didn't. It wasn't like that. No, 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 no. Um, actually, actually, I I don't even care what you wear. I never care what your hair looks like. I, what? Me making fun of a mustache? Who? Who would have done that? Not me. That's me shrugging my shoulders because Mariana is a hot mess. It's a hot fucking mess. But that's what she says. She's and like, so but that was before. It's like um, that was then. This is now. Right, but it hurt my feelings. Yeah, but that happened already. But my feelings still hurt. But I, I mean, it's not like I'm saying it again. Mm-hmm. So we looking for the renewal of the vows between these hosts. That happens on October fucking 4th. In sickness and in health, in slow stride and in triple step. (laughs) Yes. In harshness and in delicacies. In delicacies, right. So on this motherfucking Tuesday, the 4th of October, she writes, Right over Mariana's letter of yesterday, her page is strongly affectionate. All that an idolizing wife could write. Quote, you may be tired of reading, so I really will conclude with the assurance that so long as life shall last, I will be your lover, friend, and your faithful wife. Again, I don't know how you can write faithful wife. Um, Continued, if I can be anything more, teach me what it is and that I will also be with all the truth and power of one who lives for thee and thee only. This is Mariana. I was about to say that. This is Mariana. No, no, that's this. But remember how Anne was jaunting before. She was like, bitch, I'm going to do my own thing. Matter of fact, if I say I want to drive a gig, then the horses, you should just support me because that's what I want to do. Okay. And initially, Mariana, like, well, I think you're being kind of selfish. So, like, this is post Mrs. Barlow. And while we've not really covered it on this thing because the shit is long enough, we know that there's a lot of stuff in the Mrs. Barlow thing, a lot of emotional things, a lot of sexual experimentation, levels of comfort, just things. How can you be with some? Someone as consistently as she was with Mrs. Barlow. It's like a tip. And Tib caused a problem with Mariana for the simple fact that her and Tib were fucking all the time. Irrespective of what kind of compatibility was possible, they were fucking. Mariana was upset. She was like, you need to stop. You need to let her know that it's never going to happen, that it's just over, that that's not what's going on. And so here we have all these other bitches. Oh, Miss Valance. Oh, whatever. But they're not real threats. They're part-time grubbles at best. She is living in Paris for a year, just about, and almost that entire time making up to Mrs. Barlow. So that to me is reason enough for Mariana to be like, oh shit, switch it up. I've been kind of bitchy this past year. Let me unbitchify it and get back on my thing, my my sweet talk. Hey, <laughs> Anista, Freddie, Freddie. <laughs> Come again, won't you, Freddie? So, right, where was I? Oh, the only. She says before, 
Yours and only yours, let me always be. That is, so long as it makes you happy to have me. But one minute beyond this, one moment beyond the time you can give me yourself in exchange, and you shall hear of me no more. Yet I will never be another's. True as the dial to the sun, although it shall not be shined upon. This I will always be to you, and this I have ever been. Believe it now, if you ever doubted it before. I mean, pretty words are pretty words, but I, I'm they like, are. how? I'm just trying to figure out, is this like what happened with T.I.'s daughter? Where like, he thinks the hymen is intact, but his science is all fucked up and she's actually potentially having sex and being like, oh, let me go with the story. Because if you think that I'm still a virgin because of this archaic ideology of what the hymen is supposed to do or look like, I will simply keep co-signing your incorrect science. So... Could this be a way for Mariana to leap onto this? Oh shit, Ann Lister made me bleed while we were fucking. So let me use this to say, obviously Charles has never done that, obviously. I'm sorry to say, but I don't trust Mariana in this instance. I don't trust I haven't it. trusted her since the beginning maybe of this Maybe Charles recording. is working with a micro dick, but at the same time, maybe she's also full of shit and she's using Ann Lister's ignorance of science and things of, that everyone was subjected to um, under the patriarch at that time and being like, oh, right, yes, of course. Right. Yeah, he's never. No, I've never been his, obviously. Never. Just yours. Ugh. I mean, I get it, but I also dislike it so much. Like, I like how it could play with someone's ego, but when you're Right, it's an it, ego thing, sure, someone. sure. It My sucks. finger's bigger than his dick, which, and the science don't really work on that. Because you said one middle finger, and I'm just trying to get you to understand the science. Do you realize what they're, like, he literally has to have the definition of a pencil dick for Mario. <laughs> Like, maybe this is TMI, but I just need to understand how Ann Lister, I just feel like she wants, in some instances like this, Mariana, to believe what makes things easier and better than, like, what is true. Because, wow. yeah. Anyway, that's what they do. That's what they say. Oh, we're recommitted. It's what we're doing. Recommitted. I will say that despite all this messery and fuckery, two months later, Ann Lister does have a piece of lament because she... She has correspondence from Mrs. Barlow again. And it's interesting because when Mrs. Barlow isn't writing to her aunt, it's like, I wonder why Mrs. Barlow isn't writing. And then when she does write, she can tell that she's in the dolefuls by the same time. Like she's not willing to cut her off entirely, which is really what she should do for the woman is cut her off entirely and say, listen, I'm back with Mariana. We've renewed everything. And that's great. Instead, she literally endeavors upon this idea of a mistress and i'm like girl how does any of what you just said about mariana truly make sense if you are endeavoring to have a mistress at the same time that you are recommitting yourself evidently well i mean they're 12 months out of the year um we get maybe four whole days worth of time to be together with this uh wife so she's probably just doing quick maths and saying well for the rest of the time <laughs> I could be able to keep doing two this plus with, two doing is this five. With someone who knows that we can't be married and we'll just have a strong relationship. Man, this is crazy. The way this is entitled to is like Anne weeps over her letter to Maria Barlow. Went and sat in the drawing room from two to four writing to Mrs. Barlow. Her last letter made a deep impression on me. I think Mariana will suit me better and I am fond of her. I think accordingly saying Mrs. Barlow was bad-tempered and I think I could not have satisfied her as a husband. But yet, her last letter strikes me deeply. Quote, Whose you ought to be will never be adjudged but in another world. End quote. And her remarks upon the sacredness of marriage affect and influence me. I know not how. I have shed many tears over my answer. The first day I made my eyes quite weak and even reading it over makes me weep. 
for it is beautifully written, very affectionately, and shows a mind, as I say, quote, strangely bewildered between right and wrong. Mm. Felt so oppressed, knelt down and said my prayers, prayed sincerely for God to have mercy on me and cleanse the thoughts of my heart by the inspiration of his Holy Spirit, and the tears rolled down my cheeks as I prayed. Then I felt a little relieved. Yet still melancholy hangs over me. I think of Mariana's marriage with unusual sadness. I am fond of her, but she cannot be with me. She is another man's wife. I am yes, solitary. I, for a moment, think how happily I might have met Maria Barlow again in Paris. We might have been happy there, by and by. And yet, I know not. I am fond of Mariana. I could not make her miserable. I wish Mariana yeah. thought the same. I wish Mariana was like, I could not make you miserable, and I simply cannot make you miserable, except that is exactly what I'm doing. Praying and crying over the separation of a woman who potentially could be yours for a woman that you know for sure is another man's wife. Mm-hmm. I mean, mm-hmm. that's a bed to choose to lie in. That's a choice. Maybe not the, sh- the simplest or the healthiest for you, but it's, it's a choice. It's something. Yeah. You're right about that. It's a motherfucking choice. Quick mention of Harriet Milne, like I told you, she talked shit about Mariana's other sister, but also showed interest in Mariana's other sister. Quote, speaking of Harriet Milne, I own she was no favorite of mine, that I liked her the least of the Belcombe family, and that neither hers nor the character of her husband was much to my taste. <laughs> I said I well knew she did not like me, for she could not bear anyone who had at all the character of being bookish, but that she was the best flirt I had ever seen, that I liked her well enough to talk nonsense to, and thought she liked my society when I chose to conform to this rule and be very attentive. I mentioned a dinner party at the Sir Jenstons just before Mariana's marriage and said Harriet told me how agreeable I was. Oh, look at you. Learning game on the fly. Right? I mean, well, on the 2nd of March in 1820, there's a reference to an entry made in York where she's like, Harriet's flirting was terrible. She would have gone to the ball, but Milne would not let her. He was a miserable man and they had a grand blow up. He suspected her of a secret correspondence, had opened her writing desk, but had found nothing. So that's their head drama. I'm like, I know you're sleeping with the milkmaid. And she's like, but where's your receipts? And he's like, I haven't found it yet, but I will, bitch. I will, bitch. And Helena Whitbread writes, Anne, although superficially scandalized by such blatant behavior, was nevertheless intrigued by Harriet's coquettishness. At a Christmas house party given at Langton Hall in December of 1820, she found herself irresistibly drawn to the femme fatale. Really? We're referring to Harriet as a femme fatale? My God. The barometers, the thing is low in Britain if Harriet is a femme fatale. They just saying all this because Miss Brown is nowhere to be seen. Miss Brown got shacked up. I mean, I still think Miss Brown could have found her way to a grubble eventually. Yes. We know that men and marriage does not stop women from grubbling if that is what they want to do. So, of course, we know that Anne does engage in the flirts on Harriet because those flirts are still happening when Anne Walker is in the picture and they play footsie, you know, in the time of the Gruber. Yeah. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Oh, my God. So finally, we got to 1826, the end of our journey. What a journey it's been. Six and a half. I'm just oh, letting I, you know. I already know. I oh, okay. There's been so many pauses that I'm just like, I just need to finish and deal with whatever that is later because it's absurd. I love you so much that in the future, I'm not going to let it go to six and a half. I'm going to be like, oh, it's five. All right, we'll just, we'll reconvene. Don't, don't do it. And then don't do it. I'm yeah, don't let know. me do it. It has been such a journey, but it has required the most amount of work of any nightcap. Oh, what the fuck was I just saying? Oh, 1826. All right, so we are finally here. What the fuck? What is this workday odyssey of ours, you guys? I don't know! 
1826 is notable because we have the death of her uncle, the official passing over of Shivden Hall, which gets to where you were curious about is, when did Mariana leave Charles? Well, this year is when she leaves Charles, but Charles appeals to Anne to help get Mariana back, which she kind of helps with, as well as Steph, her brother. And her and Charles actually mend their relations together due to this issue, which means that Anne can resume visiting Lawton Hall, which she had said she would never do again. Remember, way back when, at the beginning of our timeline, where she was like, fuck Charles, fuck Lawton Hall, fuck everything. Well, we are in different times now. So the first thing of note is what I put in my notes as strap talk with Harriet, about Harriet, but it's, you, 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 you hear the entering, you tell me if you think it's strap talk. It's on the 3rd of January, and she writes, thinking of Mrs. Milne, fancying I had a penis and was intriguing with her in the downstairs water closet at Langton before breakfast, to which she would have made no objection. I shall never forget her way of saying, just before we parted, quote, you have me. <laughs> when she asked... Aww. Harriet knew how to play the game. That's why I said the Belcombe sisters, what is going on in the juice at the Belcombes? Whatever. Right. When she asked me to write, I had the wit to ask her to write first, to which she consented at once and gave me a bit of her hair and cut off a bit of mine. You know how Anne is with her collection Mm -hmm. of hairs. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. So here goes Anne. She's fantasizing about taking a woman. That's why I said strap talk, because I realize some people, and I suppose we can never really know, how Ann Lister would have identified with all of these modern terms that is in the queer grouping of people who identify as queer and all the different nuances that come with that. But I have seen some talk about people speculating that Ann Lister could have been perhaps had some sort of body dysmorphia or been trans or similar or just maybe not been comfortable with her body like that. And they use entries like this as a way to say that this is possible and it certainly is a possibility. I would just also say that there are plenty of women who don't have true penis envy, as in, like Freud said, where you actually want a dick. But the concept of taking a woman with a penetrative element is appealing to one for any reasons that it would be appealing to anyone, I suppose. Um, So, yeah, that's, I don't know what your thoughts on it, but me personally, I'm like, well, that's, it's interesting, but also at the same time, I don't think it's unusual for a woman to fantasize about taking another woman if she's right. into women. It was harmless enough. <laughs> I was downstairs closet. I mean, sure. Yeah. She's so rude. And it's because she, she doesn't respect Harriet. So she's like, yeah, I'm going to take her in the closet <laughs> with a with my strap that I don't have. Make her feel like a real mistress, that Harriet. <laughs> that Mrs. Milne. And you see what gets her. Now, she says what has stuck with her was Harriet's phrasing of you have me. Now, is that not in the same lane of Mariana's? Oh, come again, Freddie, or this. Like, the Belcombs right. seem to know. And I'm like, is that Mrs. Belcombe? Is that Mama Belcombe? Who in the Belcombe house has been like, ladies, this is how you fuck it up, okay? This is how Probably you keep a mama. bitch interested. Any gender, any gender, all genders. This is how you keep them wanting more. It's the phrasing. I told you she was Chris Jenner before Chris Jenner. <laughs> you know, just made me think of this. what is that shit that Sebastian says in Little Mermaid when he's like percussion. <laughs> oh yes. Uh, wait. Uh, winds. Winds. Words. words. <laughs> <laughs> there you see her. Right. Sitting there across the way. 
<laughs> she don't got a lot to say, but there's something, something about, about her. Like, this is Ann Lister looking at the Belcombs when they open their mouth. She don't got a lot to say, but when she says that stuff, wow, wow, it really connects to me. I don't know what it is, but I'm thinking about her. I'm thinking about what she said. It's like, Ann, this is seduction. This means the Belcombs, maybe it's genetic. Maybe they all just have the jaunt because, I mean, say what you want about Ann Belcombe, but she did have Ann Lister saying, hey, man, stop playing games. Either you're with it or you're not with it. And then she got a kiss the next day. So I don't know. I just feel like the Belcombs got a little some some happening in the water. or And no, this is exactly why Mama Belcombe was like, enough is right, enough. Right, right. Okay? Okay, there's other bitches in Halifax. Truly, other bitches in Halifax. Go talk to one of them. So... <laughs> That's all I had to say about her. The strap talk, That's that literally was the end of it. So on the 15th, which is what, about two weeks after that last entry I read, we get a letter from Mrs. Barlow where she's basically acknowledging her divorce from Anne. With a lot of language they were using as being a couple, Mrs. Barlow writes, quote, in answer to your Buxton letter, I spoke of a, quote, fixed feeling, but I did not then understand that you had sworn fealty anew to Mariana, and this, after having known me, makes the case absolutely decisive. There is no other form left to adopt but that of friendship. But I accept of nothing, then I shall have nothing to lose. You have acted as you thought your duty required you to do. Let your mind be at rest and never believe my forgiveness wanting. I have received my divorce. I am resigned, and may you be happy with her destined for you. She is at present in the service of another, but when she becomes yours, I tremble for the fate of my letters. You have no instinctive suspicion, and if you had, you would contempt it. The sex are all angels with you, end quote. And then Anne Lister's writing, she dwells much on her self-abasement and the wish that our connection should never be known to any but our ourselves and continues on with mrs barlow's writing in charity to my deserted state bury my error in your own bosom the loss of my own self-esteem is sufficient punishment if our secret was ever divulged the tie which did exist would become perfectly hateful to me and have i not suffered enough it seems as if she would not see me this is Anne writing about Mrs. Barlow, seeming like she wouldn't see her. Never speak of forgiveness, Anne, Mrs. Barlow continues. You need not see me to know that no rancor has place in a heart which is only anxious for your welfare and happiness. Believe in the sincerity of this wish and that I remain your affectionate friend. C-M-B. Well, won't you do it? Well, Mrs. Barlow, that's the way to do it, ho. That's exactly the way to do it. You are a grown-ass bitch. You don't got to be dealing with this shit. You say your friend. Girl, we divorced. Okay, you did it. Okay, fine. We all good. I'm, I mean, all, I'm still happy. your friend. I'm, I mean, be propriety right. and shit, but... Enjoy um, your, your wife when she finally... When she finally is life. yours. Right. I mean, finally, when that happens, you know, I might be fucking in the grave. But, you know, <laughs> uh, when that finally happens, that's fine. And um, your friend, C-M-B. C-M-B. This is the kind of shit that would have sent Ann Walker completely, completely into the doleful. She'd have been like, your faithful friend. A-L, what the fuck? <laughs> this is not how you sign letters. So I'm happy Mrs. Barlow does that. I'm sure Ann was like, oh, but it's what you deserve. And on the 26th of January, Uncle James dies. And it's officially the end of an era for Ann. And well, whoa, she gets shipped in. It's finally happened. This is it. This is what the next step in Ann Lister becoming full autonomous extra jaunty endlister that we find in the show nearly i want to say so the uncle dies on the 26th tib comes for a visit on february 11th and yes terrence they do have a kiss on the 13th because they be fucking and writes about well perhaps we shall have another and i'm like girl but they're fighting by the 18th so 
that's typical Tib and Ann. Like, we fucking, but we also mm. are fighting. It only takes a few days for us to get back there. And Tib is gone by the 28th of that month. So she's in and out in the shortest month of the year. She's like, here, I'm here to grieve with you. We fucking, we're fighting. Goodbye. Until next time. And on March 12th, we sort of have a preview into this Charles nonsense because Helena Whitbread marks this entry as Anne refusing to encourage Mariana to leave Charles. And she's like, letter from Mariana. She is nervous at the thought of coming to Shibden as the time draws near. Quote, oh, if you knew how perpetually, how constantly, how entirely my every thought is yours, you would be sorry for me often when your heart knows not how mine is aching. Then Anne writes, "'Tis plain enough she would leave Charles for half a word, but I will not give it. She must weather it out. I am attached to her and have no thought but of being constant, but she must wait. I like not the idea of having another man's wife." Girl, I mean... But you should have thought of that before recommitted. How are you you recommitted? I'm your husband. And then you're like, girl, no. You know, now that I'm thinking about this away from your evil thighs, I decided... (laughs) You said evil thighs. Not Good to Lord. walk with another man's shadow. Mm-mm-mm-mm-mm-mm-mm. There is an interesting call out in the same time that Anne is being especially careless with women's feelings, given how she's carrying on with Mrs. Barlow and Mrs. Milne, who writes her a letter on the fourth team to basically call her off for being a player. Like, just, like, fucking with people's emotions. But that and... ain't me. Okay, I'm at her now. <laughs> that ain't me. That's not, That's not mean, what I do. What you gonna believe, me or your eyes? It's just a scrape. She wrote this, for instance. You have indeed, with a ruthless hand, snatched and destroyed the blossoms you yourself planted in my bosom. But it is ever so with me. It matters not, however. A few short moments of weal or woe, and this scene must close forever on the wretched and on the happy. I have it under your own hand, otherwise no power could make me believe that my friendship and love could make such desolation. Forgive me, the mischief was unintentional. Your happiness, not your misery, was my hope and prayer, but I have done. Best loved, though latest known, farewell forever. Well, Harriet is dramatic. Right. It's right. <laughs> Farewell I forever, ho. I'm so sick of your bullshit. But we know it's not forever because what's with the footsie? What is with the footsie? Motherfucking 10 years later, eight years later. But footsie nonetheless. I don't want to see you again, but you're dating my sister, so I'm going to see you a lot. But Look never. At, listen to Anne with her bullshit. How pathetic brevity affects us. I know her, all her scrapes with others, and have been taught she has no heart, nor principle. And yet my heart is sad, and her lines affect me. Well, She's well. indeed a dangerous woman. They should affect you! But also, bitch, you out here with a married wife, like, we need... That's why I'm, like, self-awareness. Like, you're worried about Harriet's scrapes. Look at that. Yeah, sip left of your room. Harriet is getting into scrapes with other people because she's not happy in her marriage, and neither is Mariana. And neither are you in your marriage with Mariana because you keep fucking Tib. You and, keep doing other stuff, yep. but you're concerned about what Harriet is doing. And you're like, oh, I know all of her scrapes. Girl, we know all of your scrapes. We can see you for what you're doing too. But that's why it's also super funny to me because she is just fucking ridiculous. So finally, right. Mariana arrives at Shibden on March 15th and it's the 16th where she essentially attempts to like leave Charles basically. So she writes um, of Mariana's visit, in anxious expectation of Mariana, the blood rushes to my head. I will go out for a few minutes. We're now for a 45-minute walk. Came home at six, dressed, and sat down at seven. In a minute or two, Mariana arrived with her maid, Watson. They had very bad horses at the Wellington Arms Rockdale and have been above four hours coming from there. Mariana, very low, much affected. Sometime before she could seem comfortably composed, she looked pale and thin. And 
ill. And then in the 16th, it says that she wishes to leave Charles. She slept very little last night, talked almost the whole time till about four in the morning, went to Mariana four times, the last time just before getting up. She had eight kisses and I counted 10. Well, 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 well. If there's one thing oh, that my. will make me think that Mariana was actually really, really thinking about leaving Charles, it's that. Continues, Charles worse tempered than ever. He had not spoken to her of four days before she set off and she had scribbled and left two or three lines to say he was aware of her having left him on a journey of 150 miles there and was the same back with 24 pounds in her pocket. He knew not of her having more and she did not at the moment know if she should ever return. Half a word would make her leave him, but I urged her going back, at least for a time. My uncle's death was so recent it would look as if she took this opportunity of parting from him to come to me. She was for going back to her own family in York. I objected to this. Charles might not live long and then all would be right. Just before getting up, mentioned the subject of Harriet Milne and how I had committed myself on the Sunday, but declaring I had gone no further. Mariana had suspected it, and the assurance things were no worse was a great comfort to her. That's so here's so peculiar that Mariana Anne's confessing. finds her way into Shifton Hall of all places after Ms. Lista has tried to do some... You know, some uh, exploring of the the pastures to see if there's something out there for her. So, but I mean, shouldn't we give Mariana a piece of point? Because she seems to be doing the damn thing. If Mariana, which as we say, she's concerned with money. She's concerned with her stability and how she going to live. And so that makes sense for her life. And so if she's now thinking, oh, this is taken care of and she's ready to do the damn thing. Is this not then maybe the impact of her delay or her other issues? Because realistically, I have to be fair to Mariana to say if she was about it, about it to leave Charles, this is Anne's fault. Mm-hmm. Because Anne is very clearly saying, well, not now. Now, if I were Mariana, I know Mariana has other issues and other things, but if it were me in Mariana's position, the turn up Terrence would have been so high. Because I'd have been like, wait a minute. I've been stuck with Charles for eight years. I've known you for these other years prior. It's been more than a decade. You want me to wait? Really? Really? Because we said he would die in five years. It's been 10 about. Because we said this and it's not happening. So why... Why? And this will actually be my answer for this, is that subconsciously, if not consciously, Ann Lister had already decided that she was going to get someone she thought was a, a better bitch in a better position. More money, more influence, more something. Because what other reason can we use to explain except for all of the hurt and damage Mariana's done to the relationship for Anne now at this point to be like, well, you know, the timing's not right. Well, girl, what about living in the coho? What about being destitute? What about not caring what people thought? Do we remember what we were saying in the moments of cold flashes of light? Do we remember what we were saying at Scarborough? This isn't lining up with what we were saying, you guys. Well, I mean, there's also the triple step and there's also the, the delicacies. So... Like there's there's sides to take here, and if she's saying to Mariana, it, this seems all too convenient that you're here as soon as I inherited Shipton. Like you're here, like it just happened. It hasn't mm-hmm. even been two months. I'm still grieving. You didn't even come to help me grieve. That bitch ain't grieving. I mean, no. Listen, <laughs> surely she's grieving, but truth. also, I hear all what right. you're saying. She's more excited than grieving. Yes, 
But you weren't she there. She can't help it. Tib was here. Sorry. That's it. <laughs> but she don't be doing, she be doing Tib dirty too. She don't want to marry Tib. I know she don't want to marry Tib, but I mean. I'm just saying, here's my moment. I don't give Mariana much. I really fucking don't. But I will have to say from what I've read in the diaries, it looks as if that sentiment expressed in the deleted scene is accurate. Where she's like, well, I did leave Charles. And what happened then? You sent me back along with Steph. That seems to be true. And even though Anne can feel like she has her valid fucking reasons, it is what it is. Is it not? I mean, you can have that with Mariana because I'm just going to be like, and then what inspired you to leave Charles? Was it the death of my uncle? The one that you didn't? I was speculating something else. I mean, I don't really, who who knows? And Anne doesn't seem to be specific, but I was speculating something potentially extra vile with Charles and it lining up with this situation because she seemed as though she was really upset. Now it could just be like, okay, the house is free. Let me come in there. But I mean, I don't know. If it wasn't something dire why not wait an extra week or a month or something I mean, so maybe something she stayed happened together after the complaint so what's more vile? what's she gonna do men out here giving stds to their wives what they gonna do about it divorce uh, the only way you get divorced is widowed <laughs> you, he gets dead you don't get divorced if anyone's getting divorced it's the dude dumping you to fuck your life up the women don't get shit and the minute they get married they lose their shit so what is there for Mariana to do but get left? And if Charles wants her back with all their arguing and everything else, what might he have done? Anyway, those are my musings of what could have happened between them that actually was a fundamental horror to Mariana that was like, fuck it. I'm going to go make this move here. And Anna's like, well, actually, I'm a little cooled and tempered myself. Remember how you said you were cool and tempered before for the two of us? Thank God one of us was cool and tempered. Well, this is me now. I'm mm-hmm. the cool and tempered one, and I really don't think the optics are great. And certainly they would not have been great optics. But at the same time, it's been 10 years. Who gives a fuck about optics? That's just me, though. That's just me. Oh, well, I'm glad you got a piece of something to stand on to get on. I mean, it works. I it's logical. It's fine. Logical. I just, I mean, that's. I'm not trying to have a piece of any of that. Not no. that logic. Nope. And eventually, Charles, of course, appeals to Anne directly, and she is into it. They establish a tolerant camaraderie, at least, that allows for her to visit Lawton Hall after that. And if I were Mariana, I would have a bit of resentment for the rest of my days about that. Even though Mariana has plenty of things to feel ashamed about, I just feel like because she's a human, she has to resent that. Like we saw on the show, which, you know, brilliant, brilliant bring up and mention and script writing by Sally Wainwright because I feel like it's apropos that because this is the thing, Anne can never really get past Scarborough and Blackstone Edge and Mariana really can't ever get past the fact that Anne thinks she's worldly and sent her back to Charles. Because realistically, by the time we see Mariana in the show, we are nearly 10 years removed from this happening because it's 26 and we're in what, 32? Or technically in the new year, 33? Year 33. So, yeah. right. So they've been marinating on this for a second and surely is the bitch at Shibden. No. And there's a whole lot of reasons to explain and to say and whatever of why Mariana's and end up at motherfucking Shibden in 27 or 28 or 29 or 30 or 31 prior to the year of 32 when Ann Walker becomes the person the it wife the forever wife so i'm just saying after all this hours eight fucking hours yelling about mariana and the fuck shit i'm simply saying that this i understand that this is even if i was full of shit i'd be like but i wasn't full of shit that time and look what happened so if i was actually that important and that special how could you deny yourself the one for sure opportunity 
that you had to get me unless, of course, you had already decided then that you didn't really want me anymore. And if I were Mariana, my energy too would change, which is why the sad, desperate grubbles, well, maybe not sad, desperate grubbles, but they're moody grubbles. Moody grubbles are what they get from now till whenever. I don't know if we get, oh, it's the best kiss, the most spectacular <laughs> kiss, the best kiss I ever did had because there's too much baggage now. There's too much water, water on the fucking bridge. Under the bridge. Yes, lots of water. And to close it all out, Miss Barlow is still in Paris and Adobos, and I told you this before, is that by the time the year is fucking done, Anne sets off on a trip in September. And I said, what is up with September? Essentially, but it happens in the fall, where they go on a number of places, because this is sort of like another honeymoon stage before some really shitty things are actually going to settle in for their lives. And they go traveling to a number of places, including Paris. And while they're in Paris, can you guess who Anne calls upon to visit to say hello to? Not Mrs. Belko. Oh, yeah. But alcohol. Why did I say that? I, I don't, it's, it's, <laughs> it's the, the alcohol. It's the alcohol and the time. But yeah. um, Mrs. Barlow. Mrs. Barlow. Yes. Yes. She calls on Mrs. Barlow with Mariana in tow and does not inform Mrs. Barlow ahead of time that she's bringing Mariana to Paris. Oh, so she but then she's the shocked when Mrs. Barlow... Oh, what? Just, propriety. <laughs> well, right. Propriety. But you don't bring no surprise guests to my abode. Nope. In my country, too? No. That's, that's I just, all the way rude. I just feel like I'm on Mrs. Barlow's side, especially because she has a lot of shady shade for Mariana. I'm pretty sure she's, she refers to Mariana saying, oh, I thought she was just some ugly lady's maid or something to that effect. <laughs> something to that effect to Anne, but it's in September. Isn't that rude? But at the same time, what is Mrs. Barlow supposed to do? Propriety? I think that's all she can manage, Terrence. I think that's all the propriety that was able to come out of that woman. Right, like that's the one you chose to not pursue me further for, right? Mm-hmm. The one you remember the flashback. To? Oh, right. and Lista. Yeah, no. Mm. So Helena Woodbread titles this: Maria Barlow is shocked to see Mariana in Paris, and. <laughs> The part I'll reference is, we had gotten to the Rue de Rivoli when Mariana saw a little figure in white dart out of the Hotel de Terrasse and call out to the postboys to stop. Said Mariana, quote, Mrs. Barlow? There was Jane too. Mrs. Barlow as pale as death. I felt a little less so. Jumped out of the carriage, met her. No room at Maurice's. I'll just skip that. Her attention to my aunt unbounded. Evidently, she was rather constrained to me and I to her. Mariana had come upstairs to our room and did not come down till Mrs. Barlow was gone, who stayed surely about half hour. I walked home with her and went upstairs into her salon for a few minutes. In crossing the Tulare's gardens, mentioned Mariana's being with us. Mrs. Barlow agitated. Said I had behaved dishonestly not to tell her before. Hell yeah, I would agree with that. Should have written on purpose from London and said, and she would have got out of the way, gone into the country. Quote, and I have seen her, end quote, said she. Quote, I took her for your lady's maid and wondered to see another ugly woman stuck up. <laughs> I can't well, read it right. She said, she said, I took her for your lady's maid and wondered to see another ugly woman stuck up behind. Anne writes, I took no apparent notice of this splenetic ill-judged speech, but turned it over in my mind and repeated it on getting home, observing that surely Mariana was prettier than McDonald. <laughs> I can't with Anne. She really thought about it. Here's Mrs. Barlow just being petty and rude. Like, this bitch is not even attractive. And Anne is like, well, how dare you? propriety well you know actually i do think mariana is better looking than mcdonald perhaps not better looking than eliza rain but definitely better looking than mcdonald that's how i see ann lister trying to make sense of it in her head she's like oh this women and their issues and their troubles I'm, I'm not gonna keep up with this like i don't get why they behave this way 
if I did not even think that there was anything ill <laughs> ill intent towards what she just heard. Listen, it's nonsense. We all felt annoyed by this. I said to Mrs. Barlow, it was not my fault Mariana was with us, etc. <laughs> is this like when you were asleep? Oh Lord. She know the game. She older than you, and Lista. Don't don't do this. So <laughs> I'm going to save the little nuances for our group of confessions about this aspect of her, Mrs. Barlow. But essentially, Mrs. Barlow is vexed the entire time, which you might say is normal. And Anne is a bit manipulative about Mrs. Barlow's feelings, playing possum like she doesn't know why this drama is going on. Like she didn't invite the L word drama on herself by bringing her longtime lover, newly affirmed wife, to see the bitch that just six months ago she was saying could be her wife. Mm. I'm just saying that that is a recipe for disaster. And if Mrs. Barlow didn't have so much goddamn propriety, I'm surprised she just ripped Mariana Petticoat. You know, like um, reality right, show style. Right, right, like yeah. the bitch come out the car. Oh, oh, just rip her petticoats. Just start a fucking fight. And I guess I don't even know what people would have done back then because nobody fights. Nobody loses their propriety. But that would have been me. But once again, we know Candace would have ended up at the gallows in this time period. So. It's fucking fine. It's fine. Yeah, I can see myself raging, so I'll leave that for Gruber Confessions. I will say they create multiple scenes, as Anne puts it, but that's because Mrs. Barlow is genuinely affected, and I think rightfully so calls out on some of her more obvious cruel behavior in the sense that it's completely careless. It is without consideration of feelings like she would prefer to be considered by Mariana or whomever she's interested in. And so the last thing I'll mention about this thing is that, yeah, it's just, it's a last meeting on October 3rd or a nervous meeting as it's referred to between Mrs. Barlow and Mariana. And my notes just say in caps, but why? Like, that's always the questions I have. But why are they in the same room again? And what the fuck? And she writes, in returning from the column house to the Rue St. Honore, met Mrs. Barlow and Jane, stopped to speak and shake hands. Mrs. Barlow's lips trembled. Mariana sat wrong and nervous by the meeting, but all behaved very well. <laughs> so no fight. That's what it was. Thank God. I guess. But dirty looks. You know there was dirty oh, of looks. Course. Lots of lots of lots of dirty looks. Thinly veiled propriety. I should also mention that Mariana too was vexed. With, I suppose, good reason, but yeah, just like a bunch of vexed women. And Anne like, Lister. It's not my fault Mariana came with me. I'm like, oh my. Oh. <laughs> Mariana in the back, like, wait, what? Girl, what you. You said we should go travel. <laughs> and so they leave Paris on the 7th of October, and Anne is still talking with Mariana about reasons why she should stay with Charles. And maybe these reasons made sense at the time, but I bet they stopped making sense eventually. Like, you know, five years later where she's like, let's do it. Let's just move to Paris. Let's just do it. I feel like if our Mariana, especially as petty as she is with her, I'm a bitch. She was like, no, remember that one time? No. Oh, that's the <laughs> You could get a grumble, maybe. Right. Maybe. I'll be doing this. No. <laughs> and by this, I don't mean marriage. When oh. Charles dies. No. Like, see, that's, I have issues, though, that where that petty would rise up within me if literally I spent all that time not having the courage or wherewithal to leave my husband, and then I did it, it got sent back I'll by you and my brother? Are we doing this? I don't know. I'm a little, I need to lay, lay my head down, a triple step, you know. <laughs> 
I'm in a, a I know you got the analyst. I'm like, well, let me let me jump three stairs and tell you how I feel after that because I really don't fucking know. Well, why don't we reference Helena Whitbread's epilogue of No Priest But Love about how the year 1826 ended, which she says is despondently for Anne. Paris without Mariana no longer sparkled. Maria Barlow, although at first gleefully triumphant at being rid of her rival, soon fell back on jealous scenes. For although the relationship between herself and Anne was reestablished, it was very much on terms of Anne's choosing. Which again, I'd argue that's Mariana's impact. Mm -hmm. Her emotional commitment to Mariana had been brought out into the open. Mrs. Barlow had seen for herself the strength of the tie which bound the two women. She had witnessed the primacy of Mariana's place in Anne's life and had no alternative but to concede defeat. This did not stop her from continuing her emotional demands on Anne, nor did it prevent Anne from resuming sexual relations with her, albeit in a half-hearted fashion and mainly at the latter's instigation. Anne was careful, however, to conceal the fact of the renewed affair in her letters to Mariana. And it says that in 1827, Anne and Mrs. Barlow and Jane made an extended tour of Switzerland and Northern Italy, leaving Aunt Anne in Paris, well cared for by friends and medical advisors. The tour, with its enforced intimacy of shared carriages and accommodation, finally convinced Anne that she and Maria Barlow were not and never could be compatible. When they arrived back in Paris, she was relieved to part company with the Barlows. I would also argue that, Anne, perhaps you've not spent enough time traveling consistently and living with any woman right to get to the point to say that there will be you know headbutts yes. there will be things that are grating to you but that's where compromise comes in that's where the love and the effort comes in i don't know if you have a thing i'm pretty sure i mentioned this thing before but my thing is cleaning i really wish i wasn't as annoying as I know that I can be about cleanliness, but I literally can't help it. And that is the, that's the Caribbean impact. That's my mother's impact and her ridiculousness about cleaning that then extends to me and how I like my levels of cleaning, which I've learned, especially college. And you get your first roommate, you're like, oh shit. Everyone is not on my level. Everyone is not on my level. And in order for me to not freak out every day, I need to find a way to work with these humans. Like, I know it's economically sound to all do our laundry together, but I'm not mixing <laughs> mine with yours. No, so. me, I'd be like, do y'all know what a piece of scrub looks like? Do you know that dead skin cells come off your body in the tub? Because I don't know if you've ever seen, well, you, of course you have. You've seen an all dude bathroom. Mm. Oh, but yeah. sometimes all dude bathrooms for queer men are in better states than the het men who villages of organisms never seen before can take up stock in the fridge. I mean, you get a wastebasket. Some people think that it's unheard of to have a wastebasket in the in the bathroom. bathroom. I don't get. Why would somebody? Where does the trap? You see? Okay. See? 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 So yeah. See? 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 I know. Get so. See? 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 Oh, good lord. So I, the only thing I take issue with a little bit here is in this epilogue, Helena Whitbread sort of just, you know, runs down the rest of Anne Lister's life after what happens in the events of No Priest But Love, which focuses again heavily on Mrs. Barlow and then the Mariana chapter after that, whereas Joe Liddington has focused a lot on Anne Lister's later life that was not able to be addressed by Helena Whitbread, which is, of course, nature's domain and presenting the past and... Female fortune. <laughs> there it is, female fortune. I'm only pointing this out because I disagree with it and I don't disagree with a whole bunch of things in her book, but I certainly disagree with this one because I just don't, like the phrasing of it, I, I lament it. But in her 
towards the end of her epilogue when she's talking about what else Ann Lister did. She's like, in 1832, she began fostering an acquaintance with a 29-year-old woman called Ann Walker, who was heiress to an estate near Shipton on the outskirts of Halifax, and began wooing her assiduously, but with many misgivings from the start about whether or not they would be able to live happily together. In September 1834, Ann Walker came to live at Chivden Hall, combining her fortune with Ann Lister's. It was not a happy relationship, period. That's it, full stop. So already I disagree with that because right. I. it seems like such a final and simplistic way to... Like, surmise. To reg- right, to surmise a relationship when we read plenty of entries where definitely happiness was had by Ann Lister and she expresses happiness and falling in love and things before the haters of Halifax and the Ainsworths of the world start destroying everything. Right. So the second part of that paragraph is like the death of her parents had left Ann Walker a rich woman. However, she already had a past history of neurotic illness when she and Ann Lister began their affair. Soon Ann Lister began to find that her early misgivings were all too well founded. Tears, moody silences, days spent on the sofa in a state of extreme languor or depression dominated their relationship. Nothing, and I would still be like, Grubbles? Because to not add the Grubbles in there is not fair. It's not right. It's not the true picture of what was happening there. Yeah, there was moody silences and sometimes grubbling while moody and silent. Well, no, not so silent. Aside from their marriage and, and, and sex, they were unhappy like and this to me like goes back to like the gift yeah the perspective the, like who says that is when someone is surmising george washington his fucking wife do they lead with and they were not happy and she never had to no? know no they don't and don't tell me those aren't facts because those are facts all right at somebody else because no one can convince me that george washington gave his bitch a decent o ever <laughs> in the entire course of their relationship i refuse to believe it So those are some things I take issue with and the sentiment and, you know, who knows, people are free to read into things as they want. But this is where my appreciation for Joe Liddington's writing of Nature's Domain and Female Fortune and the nuance we're in is helpful because it's like, yeah, there were times where there was unhappiness. There were times when it was dramatic, but there were also times when it was really happy as well. Kind of like relationships. So if I haven't done it already, I just feel like one of the lasting impressions I want to give when we're finally to the end of this story in the podcast is that it is okay to be unhappy sometimes. And it does not invalidate in my mind or make less important or less vital Anne's relationship with Ann Walker just because it wasn't in the same exact shades of Anne's relationship with Mariana. And I submit to you that if you truly look at Anne's relationship with Mariana, there's not much to envy there except passion and sex, truly. Because fidelity isn't there, promise keeping isn't there, um, Honesty. I was about to say that weird ever after Trust. thing that people sort of. Oh, you're like forever into. and ever. But you, you you feel what I'm saying with this, right? What are your final thoughts on this? I've reached the end of what I'm choosing to say here because Lord knows I have. There is. You said that file recording is six hours. And yes, we were doing other things at the beginning of the recording. But to add to our already long files, uh-huh. it's. Um, I really don't know what this is going to be, you guys. I don't know how this is going to release. Like, I don't know if you're going to believe what we're doing when you're like, wait, how many parts? <laughs> Bitch, I don't fucking know. Um, uh, I mean, but you see why it was necessary, right? No, like, it's hard yes. to explain what I'm thinking in my brain if I don't reference these specific points that I've spent a lot of time thinking about. And even then, I omitted 
like 40% of my references because there has to be some control, Candace. You have to find it within yourself at some point in time. And if this looks like control, if a six hour fucking file looks like control, bitch, where is it? Sorry, guys, I'm reading myself to filth because I need to do that. Um, Terrence just goes, look, it's the six. Issue, right. The, the <laughs> issue is that we're dealing with survivors and one of them just likes to keep a little bit of uh, sunshine in her pocket. Which, which one? Oh, Anne? Uh, Mary. Oh, <laughs> I thought I she meant the grubble. And so she's like, my love is meant to keep you warm. And she's like, I'm just trying to put it on you so that you can just forever be mine but you keep finding yourself in the arms of someone else and so I just gotta keep coming through and putting it on you again and again and sorry my iPhone installed the new uh, software so I was like what the fuck is going on because you know too much rum time already Merry Christmas here's a new update on the wait maybe yours updated already mine has been trying to update for like a day oh did you update that's what you updated to right what's new whatever i can't tell (laughs) i don't fucking know but please finish what you were saying yeah ultimately again it's you know this girl with sunshine in her pocket you call it you said her evil thighs but you know i said magical toxic thighs i was not going to say evil because i do not believe mariana's evil and her great sex is not evil it's just a tool in her manipulative arsenal that she wields expertly okay yeah expertly and i don't know what it's very rare to me that a bitch and of any gender knows how to put it on you and doesn't know that they're putting it on you. Like, cause like I said earlier, there are tells. So I just feel like Mariana used her strengths to the best of her ability until they no longer were strengths that she could rely upon, including, you know, that infamous interaction with her and Anne post her marriage to Anne Walker, which <laughs> you guys, but yeah. So, um, which I think was inevitable like for them to have another meetup that was full of drama and angst because how could they not? You can't just not see a bitch and then get married and then not see her again, especially when this is their pattern. I don't see you for a while, then I see you. And we're back on the shit, right? I don't see you for a while, then I see you. You tell me about the girls you fucked in between then. I tell you how jealous and upset I am. You promise me that you won't do it again. And then we separate and you fuck around and you flirt and you do what you need to do. And I do whatever I'm doing where I'm at. And then we come back together and we're both telling half lies, half truths and all this shit and hoping it sticks together until it simply cannot sustain, especially when shame is attached to it. Unfortunately, I just, yeah, I don't see me ever being able to stay where I know that I'm instinctively not wanted. Forget all the fluff. Like, yes, this fluff is nice. And uh, I guess you call these, a, these are private gestures. Your disrespect has to be as, your apology has to be as loud as your disrespect. So, like, I don't know how you need to science that, physics that. That's not my problem. But when you're ready to apologize at the same scale, then it will be done. But until then, we're done. That's just it. Yeah. Yeah. How about we end on a on a light note? Okay, do you have a story that you can relate to that is it's a positive, happy feeling story like the eight ten kisses that was referenced by Anna Mariana? You know, just like an especially jaunty queer moment where you're like, Oh, this is a great grubble moment. Everything else aside, not bringing in any factors, not bringing in anything else that might be happening in life. Just this moment, like Anne and Mariana, they're like, this this moment right here, this is perfect. Your, your top, so you know if, if Anne has to be asked, it's in her top five queer sex moments because that seemed like it was a very, very lovely night. Perhaps also in there is moments of cold. 
Um, <laughs> I would also suggest that Ann Walker being on the fritz and refusing to ever grubble again because that initial grubble was so intense. But yeah, so give us one of those for the listeners. But do I and have for me. that I won't get like lambasted for? Don't drop that. a name. I mean, I, I mean, is it that obvious that they I would mean, know who they I, are in the story? All right, so let me look for something less iconic. Wait, wait a minute! I asked for something uh, iconic, Terence. See, you but can't that's give a problem because I mean, what does this mean? What do you mean? Now I'm so intrigued because what is like what is iconic versus so not? So like there was this convention. See, I thank can't, you, I thank can't. you. Let's go, let's go. I There's can't. so many conventions. Nobody I knows which one you're talking no. about. Nobody knows. Nobody knows what happened at the convention. Mm-hmm. Come on. Mm-hmm. Out with it. No. I, let's just say there was just some gall- gallivanting and jaunting and getting lost and getting found. And this is the I, worst I, fucking I, story. I, I can't. As usual, you're putting all the onus on me to have all the juicy details. But you don't have to. But hmm. Gallivanting at a convention. Y'all hear this? What is this? I mean, it was a lot of fun. I have fun also when I sweep, but I don't think that that's the kind of story that people are looking for. Candace has fun when she sweeps. Yes, I do. I'm that person. I'm sorry. You know what? I don't know. I'll I'll save that story for when we finally do a a live panel. God, am I committing to that? A live panel? Well, you heard it. Well, I still can't believe that your contribution to a quote unquote epic queer grubble like Anne and Mariana was, you went to a convention and gallivanted. I, I mean, am, but it I was am disgusted. Fun. Let me think uh, of my own. I'm just gonna say hey to. Uh, no, see that one. <laughs> is this person <laughs> listening to the podcast? I what is going know. on? I can't believe this. Maybe, perhaps. I can't believe this. But isn't it a compliment to them? Like, what well, happens? I mean, yeah. Now I'm like, did you guys commit a fucking crime? No. Did you trespass? Because what? That's that's what I need to to do eventually and have it be fun but have done that yet it was just it was just a good time it's all good time good time was that by all had by all (laughs) good time Mm -hmm. unreal pose it's up to me now to jaunt it up um it did nothing for our imagination a good time had by all i mean i have no indications of where anything happened except a convention you'd even say in the closet in the projection room by the hotel <laughs> desk in the fucking uh the place where the people go who take your luggage what are they called like it's concierge late concierge at the concierge desk at the taxi stand in the pop-up bodega outside you're just like at a convention. It was um, mm-hmm. horrible. It actually wasn't horrible. <laughs> All right, let me think to myself. Oh, there was that I thought I to myself, I, do I, was, I have a jaunty story? I was with, in my jauntier years when I um, was trying to, I don't know, meet up with someone who finally got a layover in my city and I was able to go up and, you know, because they were like in the flight attendant classification <laughs> of employment. So I was like, oh, let's hang out all night. Well, not really all night because you have to get up early. And it's right. like, oh, well, oh, how much time do you think you need? And then it was like, well, we we beat the clock. So that that was great. That was great. <laughs> you beat the clock? Yes. Oh, man. I feel like I was getting trolled the other day when they were like, Candice, remember that time you played Never Have I Ever? And you like almost won. And it, I didn't win. It was a tie with someone else who had a very jaunty life. Oh, well. You saw him. He was in here. I'm not going to blow. I'm not going to no, put know, him I on know. blast. I know. I know. Even though I'm quite sure he would put me on blast. Like, Candace, remember that story you told? 
Let me pull one of those. Let me think. I just want to say you only have one life. That's why I did well at the game. You just, just, all you have is one life. So let's see. Let's see. Let's see. Mm -mm. Oh, well. There was the time I went to see Passion of the Christ. Wait, wait a minute. If you tell me that a, a grubble went down and while you were watching Passion of the Christ. Down. Oh, my God. I was watching the God. Passion of the But that's the reason I want to tell these stories. But was it at least a great grubble? <laughs> yes. The point of it was this, it wasn't a great grubble. Okay, yeah. fine, fine. That's fine. Then, you know, the Passion of the Christ it was. <laughs> the Passion of the Christ. I, I, well... Um, during what you know what don't even matter what scene it don't even matter what scene oh my goodness okay I was about to say like it's something to do with the Mile High Club but I'm like that's actually not very like I don't feel like that's unique anymore so many people try to get into the Mile High Club and it's way easier for women too because you don't exactly have to go to the bathroom if you have good enough seats um okay 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 so okay Think, Candace. Think, 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 think. Oh, wait! It's because I'm drunk and tired. So I'll simply revisit my story that we cut from that other episode, however many weeks ago that was. My club story. That's a good one. Oh, yes. That's oh, a good that one. didn't make the edit. You're right. It did okay. make the edit. And Lord knows this edit is so jaunty. Um, okay. So, all right. All right. Cliff notes, guys. Cliff notes. I was going to... It was an event, but you know, like it's someone's birthday and it's your friend and you're like, let's all go out to this bar or club and drink and hang out and celebrate your lovely birthday with sing song and stuff. So it was a friend of mine's party. And I only mentioned that because the gaucheries of disappearing from your friend's party and them just being like, well, it's you. And I, I figured out eventually what it was up to because I'm sure this has happened to you where you go someplace with your queer friends and then somebody disappears. Uh-huh. And depending on the circumstance of the disappearance, you have to wait because you need to make sure that that motherfucker is getting home okay. Now, my friends deserted me because they knew I was with someone I was with. And it was like, oh, these bitches are fucking around. So fuck them. We're going to leave because too much time has passed. But we've all been in that situation, I think, potentially, where you're like, oh, it's where's where the fuck is so-and-so? Oh, I see. They're probably having a trouble. Will they respond to this text? Oh, they won't. <laughs> so now I'm here waiting in the club to make sure your ass hasn't been kidnapped or murdered while you're having fun in the bathroom. And that actually brings me to a, a better thing is the necessary. Is that not potentially one of the top five spots where people hook up randomly? I mean, it's right? space and opportunity. So well, it's based I mean, on opportunity. You're right. You're proximity right. Proximity right. and... You know, You're right. The closest thing to privacy. You privacy. Know? Yeah. Well, yeah. Okay. That's true. All right. So I've beat around the bush with my story long enough. So yeah, I went to this party at the club with my friend and we were having fun as friends might do and drinks and stuff were had. And then suddenly I was feeling like Ann Lister, the society of women, but I was like direct society. And so me and the lovely lady I was with, we disappeared into the bathroom because like you said opportunity proximity things need to get done so we was in that bathroom and the thing was because sobriety had left the room i think that's why we entered the gay vortex of time where you think only an hour has passed but maybe it's been like three or four because that evidently is what happened because we went in at a decent time but when we emerged the lights were up the club was closed and people were waiting for our exit so you guys what happened was while we was in that bathroom, well, grubbles. And more than one time, a foot 
sometimes my foot, sometimes her foot. You would, the door was trying to open, but my eyes never went to look at like what was happening with the door. It was instinctive, like shut this door. And you think you're at the club, someone's trying to open, trying to come in. It's busy, like it's occupied. No guys, it turns out that was the staff. It was the staff. They were trying to go home. They were trying to clean the bathroom and <laughs> lost all sense of propriety and sense Aww. of time. And so when we eventually exit ourselves and kudos to that staff, cause they gave up. They were like, oh, right, fine. Let me go wipe these tables. <laughs> cause we came out and all the staff and it was light. I'd never seen that club in the daytime. I didn't know what it looked like with lights on. And there was like at least 40 people and they were milling about doing their busking shit and what they do. Just all eyes on us like, oh, finally. But they were cool about it. We actually got a bit of applause. Um, which was nice well to done. make it less awkward for us for right. that walk of shame. But I say walk of pride, grubble That's pride. Right. And then I looked at my phone and I had all these texts and it was my friend who was like, oh, bitch, where you at? Oh, bitch, I know where you at. You know, fuck you, bitch, I'm leaving. It's been hours. I'm going home. Have fun. Get home safe. Text me that that's what happened. And so, yeah, I um, that's that happened. We did the, the walk of shame and then got trolled by our friends afterwards. But, but you yeah. had a good time and that's what was most important. A good, safe time. Sometimes you must grubble immediately and well, hope you guys enjoyed my club story, which was definitely more juicy yeah, so at least more than Terrence's grubble story. This, uh, the city's just very small. <laughs> it is small! I've just exposed myself! The only thing I was short of was saying my actual friends' names and y'all know who you fucking bitches are. And so I'm trying to leave a piece of propriety for myself to not mention the club, but anyone who was in that club, and it's a pretty well-known New York City spot, well-known enough, they know exactly what I'm talking about because I don't think you forget that because of how obnoxious the yeah, time okay. length was. Yeah. Make of it what you will. Make of it what you will. I'm only human. Exactly. I'm only human. It's not legal. It's not illegal. Yeah. <laughs> okay. I'm saying that if I ever get caught out there in a grubble like that, like just exposed to the hats and the people of the world, like, oh, I'll be like, it's the 93%. It's not illegal. Okay. Excuse me. But yes, that's it. That's it. Feel free to share your favorite grubble story in the spirit of Aniana when times were good. But shit, are we at the end of this nightcap? I think we are. I don't know what this is. I don't know what's happened. Uh, I don't. We might. We might be. Yeah. It's technically Christmas. Oh yeah. So I don't know when you guys. Are, well, uh, we don't know when you guys will hear this. Right. But happy holidays, happy Hanukkah, happy whatever it is you're celebrating, happy Kwanzaa, all the stuff. Uh-uh. We hope you guys are having at least a decent time with family. For those of you who enjoy the holiday, and those of you who think the holiday sucks. Netflix and chill, do what you want to do, ice skate, I don't know, throw some jelly beans at a rude child. All right, maybe don't do that. Throw some jelly beans at a rude hat. Take a, a child, child you don't <laughs> like to go see cats. Oh, shit! You're suggesting childhood trauma. <laughs> I don't. Don't do that. My mom took me to see cats because she thought it was for culture when I was a child and it just left me traumatized, which is why I can't even believe I'm considering seeing cats. But that's because I won't be sober and there'll be a bunch of other people there to laugh and be on the acid trip with me. That does not actually include acid. That's what I expect. Like insanity. You've read the reviews. Nothing makes any sense. What do they do to Dame Dench? Oh, God. Why do the cats... See, the thing that worries me is them saying the cats are sexy. And then when I read that thing about sexy roaches, I was like, this this is... Excuse me. I was like, this How is... How do you make a roach sexy? None of this is right. None of... <laughs> 
<laughs> it's all wrong. It's all wrong. <sighs> well, why don't you take us home, Daddy-O? I... Uh, well, as always, you can be uh, sure to find us in social meds, trying to social med. So, you know, please engage with us. Um, we are friendly. Um, we use our Instagram and Twitter mostly. So, uh, Gentleman Jack Crack on Instagram, Gentleman Crack on Twitter, because they're not enough characters. Uh, there is a Tumblr with the same name. Gentleman a Tumblr with no blogs. But yeah. we do get messages on there from listeners and stuff, and we always enjoy that and check them. So that's also another place you can hit us up if you are a frequent Tumblr user. And that is your preferred platform. And you already know we have our website, which is gentlemanjackcrack.com with a merch store, which looks pretty neat. Oh, so you can go and take a look at some of the merch there. And, you know, oh, my God, shout out to the few of you who have um, bought a go on fearlessly hoodie or a piece of merch. We appreciate you. We're so excited to be able to donate anything to the Welcome Foundation. So for those of you who have been visiting the site, checking out the stuff. Thank you so much. And since this was our historical nightcap, we do a cheers. We do. Ah, so what I will cheers for, I'm going to cheers for, I guess mine is going to be for Tib. Oh my gosh. That's very sweet of you. Tib does deserve to have some liquor poured out and cheers in her name. Because, you know, you didn't deserve this complaint. And you didn't know that you weren't the only one. You didn't know. Wasn't, I mean. I mean, she did, but then she didn't. She didn't right, and it she was, did. It, yeah, it's it's bad. I mean, you just, it, you were you were a good friend. And so I'm just going to cheers to you and, you know, whatever happiness eventually will look like for you. With the, you, I mean, you decided to be a little less buzzed than, you know, I currently am, you know, dropping down to below five glasses. <laughs> I mean, good on you. That's great. It's wonderful. I love how our waveforms go in the opposite direction. Like, the more tired I get, like, mine's grow and yours become, like, these little bitty things. Oh, yeah. <laughs> yeah. Sorry, you were no, toasting. No. Right. I'm um, a mess. But, yeah, and then, you know, you incurred a complaint and you already know where that complaint incurred came from. a complaint. That's what, what I the have fuck? to say. And I'm so sorry that you did and found out about it the way you did and then endured it for as long as you did just cheers to you ultimately so yes that's who i'm cheersing yeah yeah cheers okay um i'm going to cheers to let me see oh I know I'm going to cheers to Miss Pickford. Yeah, that was who I was. <laughs> the OG. I, I was like, let me not because for you me, know, someone else queer in Halifax it. who clearly had a little thing going on. Miss Pickford. We know you don't have a four million word uh, journal stash somewhere, but but if by chance you did, <laughs> cheers to Miss Pickford letting Anne think. <laughs> That her ridiculous attempt at convincing another queer that she wasn't queer actually worked. Bless her heart sure love for you. that. You are the only one. Sure. <laughs> only you. She's like, well, you know that you're you and other people are them, but I'm me and there's nothing like me. Right. She's like, are- okay, sweetie. And let's say you are the Highlander, okay? <laughs> <laughs> there can only there can be only one. Be one. <laughs> one grubble warrior. 
So, yeah, I cheers to Miss Pickford because she seems like she was living her very best life the way that she could. And she was like the first bit of non-famous representation, I suppose, where she was like, oh, shit, there's actually there, there's like queer. It's, it's a thing. It's like a category. It's not just like me. It's like a thing that can happen for humans. Wow. So I cheers to Miss Pickford. I cheers to her ways, her charm and her tolerance of Anne's bullshit, because Lord knows I'd have laughed right in Anne Lister's face. She was like, so you, you, you let nature be your guide and practice. I'm just in theory. Like I couldn't have let her finish that <laughs> sentence without me rolling on the ground like a fool. Uh. So. Mm. Cheers to motherfucking Miss Pickford. Yes. And you're cheersing to Tib. I can't believe yes. you're about to cheers with that. What you did. As always, thanks for sticking around to listen to <laughs> you, us do you did? Wow. all the wonderful wow. things that we, wow. we do. Um, be on the lookout for the following episode since this was the penultimate nightcap. Um, so... Now we're up to the finale, which was series one, episode eight. Um, are you still talking? And um, feelings will be had. That'll be what <laughs> they say to us about episode eight. Are you still talking? Yes, <laughs> God, it's not illegal. Fuck. <laughs> right. Sorry. Well, guys, this is it for this 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 chapter. It has been closed. I am very fearful that it is nine hours. I'm very very fearful for me. Um, but I think that's what it is. And I, wow, wow. I guess we should cue up the jaunty music. Uh, yes. All right, guys. And until next time, cue the jaunty music. Yes, and never forget that Mrs. Barlow read Mariana Tafoth and said she looked like a goddamn lady's maid. Oh my god, I love it. That was great. <laughs> that was awesome. Oh, bye, guys. Bye. Regency-era lesbians. Oh, my God. <laughs>